Josh Pollard. I'm Joe Dostasio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. Today we are starting a new multi-part series on Final Fantasy XV, the fantasy sci-fi RPG from Square Enix. And we're doing something special this time because the game actually has two very different versions. The main version was released back in November 2016 on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. But in early 2018, a mobile version was released for iOS and Android devices. It's called Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition. It's not just a scaled-down port of the main game. It's completely remade with stylized graphics and simplified gameplay. But it keeps the core story and even the voice acting. We're going to play both versions of the game for this series. I'm playing the main version on an Xbox One X, and Joe is playing the Pocket Edition on his Android phone. For this episode, we're going to cover Chapter 1 of the game. In both versions, it's called Departure. Right. And we should probably also state that at this point now, the PC version of Final Fantasy XV has been released. So everything that we say regarding the console version also applies to the PC version. That is true. All right. So let's start a little bit with our history of Final Fantasy games, because Final Fantasy is probably the most well-known role-playing video game ever made, right? And there's been way more than 15 of these guys. I, I didn't go back and count, but there's way more than 15. How many have you played, Joe? How many have you finished? And do you, I guess, if, it, if you've played multiples, do you have a favorite? I'm not like a huge fan of Japanese RPGs, but as a kid, I did play them quite a bit. Uh, on the Super Nintendo, I did not play any of the Final Fantasies, sadly, but I did play things like Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, you know, so in, and Super Mario RPG. So some of the other Squaresoft uh, RPGs, but I didn't really get into any of the Final Fantasies at that time. But come the PlayStation, the PlayStation 1, I was real big fan of Final Fantasy 7 and 8, and I played through a lot of 9 as well. Now, technically, I didn't actually beat 7 or 8, but like 7, I got to the ending boss, but I, I dropped it at some point and never finished it. And 8, I got pretty close to the end. Okay. And then ever since, ever since then, I dropped, I stopped playing RPGs mostly due to time. You know, they're mm. very time consuming. And the, and the simple fact that I just, I don't really like grinding. Yeah. So like, I'd, get, I'd get pretty far in the story and be excited, but I'd just be destroyed by a boss. And I just... I didn't want to spend hours grinding to level up. Mm -hmm. So this would be my first Final Fantasy game in quite a while. Okay. So you've actually played more than I have then. Uh, I never played any of the Super Nintendo games. I didn't even play any of those other Super Nintendo games you mentioned, uh, other than Mario RPG, but I didn't make it very far in that. Uh, I played, I've played a few hours of seven, but I don't, I don't know why I dropped it, but and this was only a few years ago, so it's I you know I didn't have an original PlayStation, and you know maybe at some point I should go back and play Seven since everybody says it's so great, but I haven't. I played somewhere between ten and fifteen hours, I would say, of Final Fantasy twelve on PS two, and did enjoy it, but uh, that was really late in the PS two life cycle for me, and. I think around the time that I was playing it is about the same time that I got my Wii and then an Xbox 360 and then I never played my PS2 again. <laughs> so I just never ended up going back and finishing that. 
And then on 360, I started Final Fantasy 13, but as like a rental, I think I did a game fly on it or something mm-hmm. like that. And something else came out and decided, eh, let's send this back. I'm I'm not really playing it. And then uh geez, maybe three or four years ago, I bought it on Steam when it was released for PC. Got about 10 hours in and decided I don't care about this story (laughs) and I'm not going to play a 50 hour game if I don't care about the story and dropped it. So I don't I don't have a great history with Final Fantasy. So let me get this straight. (laughs) We both don't have an extensive history with Final Fantasy, but you've been pushing to play this game, Final Mm -hmm. Fantasy 15 for the podcast for quite a while now. And I've kind of been pushing back. So <laughs> what is it about this game that has made you so interested in it and wanting to, to play it? Well, it, it obviously got, you know, really good reviews. Uh, and, and this game, it's different from a lot of the other Final Fantasies. So one of the things that's kept me away from, a lot, especially the early Final Fantasies, is I don't care about fantasy settings. Mm. But it's hard to call this, and, and frankly, most of the recent Final Fantasy games, fantasy. You know, it's it. They have guns and cars and you know things like that. They're not just riding around. Well, I guess they're still riding around on chocobos, but it's not <laughs> just fighting dragons and other fantasy tropes that I just don't care about. So that helps. But also, this Final Fantasy is is very different from everything else in the series. You know, it's got this uh, real time combat, which. You know, they've made combat system changes throughout the series, but none of them have ever been actually real time, right? I don't know. I don't think they have. I don't know. If in the 13, it wasn't real time. Oh, really? It, it okay. was like an active turn based sure. thing. So, and I guess I don't know about 14, but that's. Well, 14's the MMO. Right. So that doesn't really count. <laughs> but it looked like it had an interesting story. The combat and gameplay looked really interesting. And then it was billed as a Final Fantasy for for longtime fans and for people new to the series. And I thought that, despite the fact that I have played some of them, I thought that described me fairly well and seemed like a good place to actually give this series a try. I kind of feel like as someone who's been playing games for 30 years, maybe I should actually try and complete a final fantasy game like i like how can you say you like rpgs and never finish a final (laughs) fantasy game (laughs) so this will be the one then huh this will be the that's the plan you're committing to this one so by covering this game on the podcast you're making yourself kind of finish the game kind of i i suppose there's a possibility that we're going to get three or four episodes into this and hate the game (laughs) and and never finish it and never release this episode so you talked a little bit about that this is more sci-fi-ish or, you know, not high fantasy. I, I think that's, that was one thing that really got me on Final Fantasy VII. It was very futuristic mm-hmm. and very, very, very little like fantasy stuff in it, especially at the beginning. Uh, and that seemed to continue on through Final Fantasy VIII. And then it kind of dropped back to fantasy for nine. And then I have no idea where things went between, you know, 10 and, and now. But this one, this 15 seems like the most... It's like a combination of, of futuristic and modern. Like right. you've got a, a, a modern looking car, mm-hmm. right? And and they're talking on cell phones and but And like, there's like AI robot things, but there's also magic. Yes. That's really cool. I'm interested in that. That's really neat. Yeah. So you you said you heard that the uh the story is good, 
I mean, I got to be honest, I don't really have an idea of what the story is about. Like, I don't even know what the the premise is. And every single Final Fantasy game, I mean, there are some exceptions with sequels, they're all different. So it's not like we're talking about characters that we've should have known about from Final Fantasy One or something like that. Right. This is gonna this is a whole new original story. But I don't really know much about it. Like, do you, do you have a summary or at least some sort of premise of of what's going on here? What I went into this game knowing was that you played as a prince. Something bad happened, and you were on some big quest with three of your best friends. And that I didn't know what the quest was. I only knew that it sounded like over the course of the game there's a lot of really deep relationship building between the main character and his three best friends and that the story has consequences and that especially in the later stages of the game it gets really story heavy it's not just you know super grindy go on these fetch quests go and battle of these huge monsters sort of thing that there's that there's real story here and that it's emotionally impactful in some ways is what i've heard okay that sounds cool yeah so josh going back to this whole pocket edition thing we're both playing the same game with the same name but on two completely different platforms and they're actually two completely different games but with the same story and similar type gameplay kind of so yeah kind of it's still real-time combat. It is real-time. That's true. <laughs> I, I really would have thought they would have gone with the turn base. but So we're doing this primarily to see... They, the publisher, the developer, Square Enix, has said that this is, this is the game. This is the Final Fantasy XV story completely remade on a phone. And we want to see how true that is. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play side-by-side the same chapters that, you know, whatever line up between the two versions and, and see how true that is. Yeah. And, and as one more little point of reference, you and I have both played chapter one on both versions. That is true. Which is made easier by the fact that chapter one and two, I think are free on the pocket edition. Oh, just the first one. Just the first one. So that is, that's the first major difference, right? The way that you buy this game. Mm -hmm. So for the console version or the PC version, you buy the game outright. Right. Like a normal game. There's some DLC, you know, and there's even a newer Royal version or Royal edition that has a few other extras in it. But the pocket edition is sold in 10 parts. It's 10 episodes long. And Mm -hmm. the first episode is free. So you can go download this right now yep. and not pay anything. You and even if you've played the console version, go and do it. Yeah, check it because out. Because it's cool. Yeah, it is pretty neat. And it's, uh, I would say it's about an hour, hour and a half for the mm-hmm. first episode. And then after that, you have to pay for each episode individually. Or you can buy them all together as a pack. And the first the first couple episodes are a little bit cheaper, a you know, dollar each. And then they go into, I think, $3.00. Or maybe $4. For, yeah, it gets confusing. But if you buy them all, it's cheaper. That's the thing to know. Yeah, if you buy them all once up front, then it's it's $20. Mm-hmm. So just looking at the game, though, you're, the immediate difference you're going to see is the graphic style. Yeah. This is more of a top-down kind of view. Still 3D graphics, but the characters are all like a super deformed, chibi, you know, anime-looking style. Yeah. They're, they're not going for realistic graphics here nope. at all. But you still have, like, aside from the graphics, though, the presentation feels really similar. The music is great. Mm-hmm. You know, the sound effects. You've got the full voice acting. 
And I, I don't think they re-recorded these. I think these are the actual lines from the main version of the game. You would have to assume it wouldn't really make much sense to go and redo all of this stuff just for the pocket edition. Right? Uh, so it's a little strange during cutscenes because you have these weirdo-looking goofy characters <laughs> with this very serious dramatic reading of the lines, and the characters' mouths don't move at all. <laughs> So that like well, and to see these chibi cutesy characters like, but but then there's Gladio and his big tough guy deep voice <laughs> like that's a it's a little bit weird, but it's cool. I like it. It, it just it reminds me a lot more of uh, of the older like Super Nintendo type of, of right. RPGs. And actually, just looking at it, like some of the I think the DS remakes of some of the older games kind of have this style too. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's cool. I like it. In terms of gameplay, I think the main difference between the two is going to be the fact that the mobile version is not open world. At least what I've played so far, it, it's they put you into a certain section of the world and you're you're stuck kind of in this fenced in area and you explore that area. And then once you finish, they move you on to the next one. There's no you don't get to hop in the car and drive wherever you want to go, mm-hmm. which you know is good in terms of saving you time, you know. And not wasting a lot of time going out exploring things for no reason. But on the other hand, it does feel very linear. Yeah. So, I mean, it it seems like the version of Final Fantasy 15 that you want to play if all you care about is the story. If you're not really that into the combat and you really don't like grinding or side quests and all that stuff, then it's probably the way to go if you just want to get through the story as fast as possible. Yeah. Speaking of side quests, I only have been offered like three or four side quests in the first two chapters. Well, and and even in the console version, there aren't that many side quests in the first two chapters, but I've already stepped forward into chapter three and there's, it's called the open world on, on console. And there it actually makes sense because it really opens up. The map gets way bigger and you can basically go anywhere. So there are, five billion side quests mm, available okay. at that point well maybe when i get there maybe it will completely change now as far as the gameplay is concerned you said that yes both versions are real-time combat mm-hmm. but like what else, what are the main differences though or 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 is it pretty similar well i'm trying to remember what you can and can't do in the the pocket edition on on the console edition you've got four different weapon slots that you can enable different weapons in including spells you've got uh techniques where there's a little techniques bar that fills up during the middle of um combat scenarios where you can ask your teammates to do special moves there's I think there's can you do the warp strike mm-hmm, yep. okay so you're warp striking all over the place I think that's so you you don't have the techniques. That's the look so I'm sound, getting from you. So I mean, it sounds like there's most of it is there. You've got you can switch weapons. You can warp strike. Now you can't just warp to like a higher up perch area. Just any time that you want, there has to be there are predetermined spots that you can do that. Same is true on the console. Is it okay? Yeah, it's well. I mean, you can warp to just a rent like you can warp anywhere on the ground but if you want to warp up into a tree or something like that then it's only at predefined warp spots okay yeah they're like every now and then uh a button will a button prompt will appear for your teammates your your party doing some sort of special move okay there's magic but the magic so far is very limited you absorb magic from a a 
a spot mm-hmm. out in the world and that lasts for one use and that's it. Hmm. And if you go find, so let's say you get, uh, you've absorbed some sort of fire magic and then you don't use it, but you come along to some sort of like lightning. If you absorb that, you lose the fire oh. and you just have that one use of lightning and that's it. Okay. I've not done a lot of magic in the console version yet, but that, that doesn't sound like how it works on on the console version and and on the console version you have a meter for all of those okay so it goes down as you use those spells all right you i've got a parry uh which is actually really easy in the pocket edition because uh if an enemy comes up behind you and is about to attack you a huge button prompt appears (laughs) that you just tap and you'll automatically parry Mm -hmm. so you've got parry and block on the console version too it does give you a big prompt right in the middle of the screen and you just hold the x button down uh that's an important thing to know for anybody just getting into this game you don't tap you're not trying to time the blocks and the parries hold the button down that it tells you to 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 push so why why do you think square did this square enix because this game has a history final fantasy 15 of well it was in development for years for 10 years for 10 years and you know i'm sure that this game as we see it wasn't what was in development that entire time. I'm sure that they went through, you know, different prototypes and, and maybe this game that we have now is in development for the last few years, you know, like fully committed, but I don't know. Why would they then completely rewrite the thing and create a whole new game for handhelds or not handhelds, but just like mobile, like tablets and phones? Why, why would they do that? You you can come up with a few potential ideas. The most optimistic one I, I think would be because they, see the world moving towards mobile gaming and they want to bring the the wonderful experience that final fantasy 15 probably is to as many people as possible so make a mobile version because there's way more people with mobile phones than there are with playstations and xboxes and do you think that it wasn't just a normal port because it just the the phones wouldn't handle yeah i don't think that would have really been possible at this point like especially as i'm playing through it and looking at how huge this world is how detailed it is and like every time i go driving around in the regalia i'm just amazed by how much time it must have spent they they must have spent creating all of the different art assets and and just the world creation so the tiny little tiny little phone that i carry in my pocket just isn't powerful I enough i don't think that's gonna work to handle what the big old <laughs> console boxes do well and and with all of that detail and that size like i don't know how well that translates yeah. to a five inch screen that's true i like it when when uh developers create games specific for the system you yeah know, sometimes ports especially on a touchscreen and ports won't you know they're not just not going to run as well right they're not going to feel as good i think it's simply because um you know in japan mobile is king Mm. you know m- more people play games on phones like significantly more console sales have not been doing as well over there and so it makes sense that they would probably make a f- big chunk of money selling this on on mobile as probably well. okay so as we talk about this game going forward in all these in all of these episodes we're going to be playing primarily from the point of view of the pocket edition because that's presumably more simplified it has a lot less going on so as we go through the recap, I'll be recapping what I played in the Pocket Edition, and then you, Josh, can fill in anything that's different or any additional things, any major story beats that are missed mm-hmm. in the Pocket Edition. 
Are we ready for the recap? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so the game opens up with a black screen and the words, The Tale of the Chosen King, Savior to the Star. That's it. That's the opening. <laughs> That's not it. Then we get a cutscene of what looks like, like a huge battle outside of a large building. It looks like it's the kingdom or whatever that mm-hmm. the, the game starts at. And we get our first introduction to our main characters. We have Noct or Noctis, Prompto, Ignis, and Gladio. Correct. Gladiolus. Is that his name? Gladio. <laughs> sure. No one uses his full name. Gladio. Like ever. Maybe we'll meet his mom and she'll use his full name. <laughs> <laughs> right before she dies or some tragic whatever. Yeah. Right. Why weren't you there for me? Anyway, so they seem to be attacking some big monster that's engulfed in flames. And they're just kind of like pushing their way up, helping each other out. What I really like about this, even just right here in the first, in the first few seconds, is... It's already showing how these guys work so well together as a team. Like mm-hmm. they're really helping each other out. I know that people call this like, you know, oh, it's the it's the boy band game or whatever. But I like these guys so far. Yeah. Now, the next thing I saw was another black screen with words. The kingdom of Lucius and the empire of Niflheim are trying to bring the long war between their two states to an end. The prince of Lucius, Noctis, wants to negotiate a ceasefire and is set out from the kingdom with his friends. As proof of peace, the prince has been betrothed to Lunafreya of Tenebrae. And that's basically the same start on on the console side, too. It just looks way prettier. Oh, okay. (laughs) We come back to what I presume is, like, present day, and the the king is is giving the okay for Noct to leave on on this mission to the wedding or whatever. And the king is asking uh, for Noct Knox friends to just be there for him not necessarily to guide him but just you know mm-hmm. go along with him right and just be there so the the very intro scene with all the the fire and all that stuff looks like he's much older like i i have a feeling that is that it is a scene we will be playing at the end of the game well that's pretty common in in games and stories yeah and and maybe the very end of the game who knows mm-hmm. and the pocket edition I knew that Noct looked different, but I could not. I could not tell that he was older. Uh, they did not, like, I didn't notice any discoloring of hair or you know whatever. There wasn't enough polygons, I guess, to to convey that. <laughs> right. He did look like he was dressed differently. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure he looks older. Okay, good to know. Thanks. So this is like this is our story right now, right? We've got two what fighting kingdoms. There's a kingdom and an empire, and they've been fighting for a while. And so Noct, who is the prince of the kingdom, he wants to negotiate something, some way to stop this fighting. And so to do that, he's going to marry somebody who, who I don't even know who this person is or like, what is she part <laughs> of the empire? Is she in the kingdom or is she like a part of the third, a third party? Well, I, I think you're left to presume that she's part of the, the empire that you're at war with. Cause that's, that's fairly common throughout history that, has been marriages between the children of battling royal empires to to signify a a union between the two a political marriage yeah kind of it's at this point that i i got the title screen yeah please start you know new game or or whatever and then it goes into the first chapter mhm chapter 1 chapter 1 starts with our gang heading out to the wedding i don't like i don't think the wedding's happening 
this day. They're just going to the wedding. That's what it seems like. And uh, Gladio mentions Altitia. What is that? Is that is that the city? Is that a country? Altitia is a city. Okay. It's the capital city. Now, maybe I should back up a second and say, I wouldn't consider any of the spoilers. This is kind of backstory. I did a little bit of reading on the Wikipedia. Not Wikipedia. The Wikia. Uh, oh, yeah. To, because... There's a lot of stuff that happens right here at the beginning of the story that I was like, uh, what, what now we're going where to see who's it. Okay. And so what are like, what are the, <laughs> what are the major areas or cities that, that we need to be focused on right now? Okay. Let's, let's go super high level. The world is called Eos. Eos. Okay. On Eos, there are three continents. Lucius. Is that how we're pronouncing it? L-U-C-I-S. That's yes. where Noctis is that's from. What they, that's how they're pronouncing it. There's Niflheim. Okay. Which is where the empire is that's... The bad guys. The bad guys are from. And then there's a third continent called Accordo. A-C-C-O-R-D-O. Okay. Who are they? They're basically just another group of people who've been mostly taken over by Niflheim. Okay. And Altitia is the capital city of Accordo. Oh, okay. Luna Freya lives in Tenebrae, which is also a city... In Accordo. Oh, okay. So the plan is to go to the continent of Accordo, to the city of Altitia, to marry Luna Freya, who is an oracle from that area. That almost kind of rhymed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we talked about this being a political marriage and stuff, but if she's from this like third continent, then how, do, like, how does that play into this whole peace thing? Well, it's a continent that's already basically been taken over. Lucius is the only area that hasn't been taken over. So the empire has has grown, has taken over this third continent. Correct. And so we just will consider them as one part of the empire. Right. But not, but this empire is made up of two separate continents. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It sounds like an exciting day for everybody, but it actually starts out with, with them pushing the car because the car is broken down during their trip and that's that's like the introduction to the game Mm -hmm. is you pushing a car which by the way like once you actually start moving about in the open world and maybe this isn't as obvious on the pocket edition you're you're only like a mile or two outside of town (laughs) they didn't get very far at all before their car broke down (laughs) i just Again, you convinced me to play this game, and <laughs> my expectations are from Final Fantasy VII and VIII, and Seven has this amazing introduction where you're you're going into a, a battle, you're in this sort of like rebel mission to destroy this reactor, and you know you got this awesome music that's going, and then in eight, it's not gameplay, but you have this uh, really good CG intro mm-hmm. of of two, the two main characters fighting, and this game starts out with. A car broken down and you're pushing the car down the road. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little different. Yeah. But they do get it to uh, the garage it's called Hammerhead for repairs. And there they meet this game's Sid character, uh, who is a mechanic. And we also meet his granddaughter, Cindy, who is also good with cars and works on things. Mm-hmm. Can we take a moment to talk about Cindy? If you want to, we can. <sighs> like... She is featured in all sorts of artwork about this game because she's dressed ridiculously. It's it's a silly outfit. I kind of wish there was a mod to make her dress 
normally. Like alternate costumes or something? Yeah, that'd be nice. Because it's completely unnecessary. Even in the pocket edition, yeah, this really messed up, super deformed character looks like she has her butt hanging out (laughs) of her shorts, (laughs) which... You know, props to them for being able to pull that off with just, you know, so with, if you with that style. So of graphics, you, yeah, yeah, sure. They, they managed to 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 translate that. OK, we can move on. I, yeah, just, the, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to move on from the scene without uh, expressing my displeasure over over Cindy's outfit. Maybe we're just too old. Maybe. You know, maybe because, you know, if it were the early 1900s and people and, and women were wearing shorts at all that weren't long dresses <laughs> and that was in a game, you know, that they might think this is ridiculous and the most outrageous outfit and how, you know, how dare you? And maybe that's just what this is. Maybe this is just, I don't think that's what this is, but if that's just, what you have to tell yourself, this is just changing culture. And, I don't think that's what it is. Okay. In any case, this Sid is kind of a jerk, but he, uh, he does agree to fix the car while the car is being fixed. Cindy has us go out on some uh, kind of like a side quest, but it's, yeah, it's not really, it's, it's part of the official, you know, the main quest or whatever. And it's basically just to go introduce into some combat, some, mm-hmm. uh, fighting mechanics. And so she has us go hunt down some creatures and find this dude, Dave in a shack who seems to be trapped because he's sprained his ankle and he's surrounded by monsters and we have to help him out. And Dave is a hunter, right? Yes. Okay. Because the hunters start to play a bigger role throughout the game. Yeah, he's a hunter. I don't know much about them. At some point during all this fighting, we see this like giant bird creature fly over. Mm-hmm. And it's really big. It's huge. <laughs> so we get to we get to see him later. When when I saw that, it made me wonder. You know, this is this is sort of like a modern times kind of game, and. They're just living in this modern times kind of world with these giant creatures. Like some of them look like dinosaurs mm-hmm. walking around. And I I can't imagine what that would be like. That's that's a, that's a good point. I think that is the first moment where I'm like, this is this is not the world that I live in. Right? <laughs> okay, you've got a king, you've got a castle. The castle area looks like almost like a skyscraper kind mm-hmm. of. So, you know, modernish buildings. You're out driving a car with the cell phone, and then there's this giant bird creature that flies overhead, and you're like, oh, yeah. 50-foot wingspan bird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This There is some fantasy in this Final Fantasy game. Right. Dave has us go kill some big creature, something called a bloodhorn. So we got, we got uh, experience with fighting not necessarily just a bunch of smaller guys, but a bigger thing that can mm-hmm. chase after you and knock you down and stuff. During parts of this quest, you have your first camp out. Yeah. Out in the desert. Or I want to hear how this went for you on the pocket edition, because I think camping is a lot different in, in between these two editions. Well, so in the pocket edition, again, it's not open world, at least not yet. Maybe mm-hmm. it will be later, but it's just between talking. So when I found Dave originally, it's getting dark out. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I need you to go kill this creature. So while I leave and start heading toward the creature, it's getting dark. And then the game's like, hey, we should take a rest and to stop and i think i do have to actually navigate to that spot mm-hmm. but that initiates the camping and the only thing that's really part of the camping is if you've collected ingredients food ingredients for a recipe then ignis will make some kind of meal for you and it looks tasty and i think he'll cook even if you don't have ingredients you can make toast oh so i haven't seen toast yet so because i've been able to collect all the ingredients so far okay 
it also gives you the chance to level up your character. Like, it seems like you don't actually level up from experience. Just like after a battle, you're not going to see level up after you finish right. a fight. You have to wait to one of these moments, like at the end of a quest or at a camp, where it tallies up all of your experience between the since the last time that you rested or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you get your level up opportunities, and then you get your applying your a your AP points, right? Ascension points, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah, it's almost like because you you are collecting XP while you're doing things throughout the day, but it's almost like you're putting them in a little bucket, mm-hmm. and you don't get to actually turn in those XP and make them count until right. you've camped, yeah, until you've ended the day, and. This doesn't actually happen until a little bit later in the game, but in the console version of the game, you can end the game in really, or not the game, you can end the day in one of two ways. You can either camp or you can go to like a hotel. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. If you camp, you get bonus ascension points. I don't remember the ratio. I haven't done as much camping lately. Um, But if you go to hotels, the the different hotels will have different bonus ratios for XP. Hmm. So it ends up becoming another strategy point within the game. You know, what did you spend your day doing? Did you were you out doing oh. a bunch of side quests, doing a bunch of XP related things, and now you want to cash in a ton of XP? Then you go and you stay in a hotel at the night. But hotels cost money. If you are working towards AP, then Go camping because you'll get more action or ascension points that way, hmm. and it doesn't cost any money to camp. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice a difference. I don't remember seeing any, you know, multipliers come up. But I have noticed that I don't have to. It doesn't have to be just a hotel or a, or a campground. It just seems like after certain missions, like after certain major missions, it'll just bring up the same screen with the XP counting up, and it gives me an opportunity to do to spend my points. I wonder if that's the difference between the two versions. You know, I haven't, maybe I just haven't paid enough attention. That might be true that after major mainline quest, you also get essentially that end of day XP counting thing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, now that you say it, I think you're right. Well, something to look for. Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to point out about camping in the console version that I, well, there's a couple of big differences. One is tiny, but I think kind of funny. When you set up camp in the pocket edition, are there giant Coleman camping logos on everything? (laughs) Not that I noticed. Okay, because in the console version, Coleman is very obviously a sponsor (laughs) of this game. There is a giant Coleman logo on the tent. Mm -hmm. It's on the chairs that you sit on. It is (laughs) everywhere. I'll keep an eye out for that because I did not not notice that one. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, also in the console version, when you set up camp, like the next day, well, actually you can either camp for the night or you also get prompts for training where it's sort of like the tutorials mm-hmm. where you learn how to fight by going against Gladio. Mm-hmm. You can fight Gladio in training modes and they get harder and harder and you get a little bit of XP and you get to try different things and work on different defensive strategies and things like that. It's kind of a nice little break. I've only done it once, but it's a cool little thing that they add on to the camps that I'm assuming you don't get in the pocket. No, I don't know. I don't remember doing that at all. Yeah. We both played both versions of chapter one, right? Right. So I do know that the fact that 
Prompto is a photographer and takes pictures seems to be much more obvious in the console version. In the in the pocket edition, he doesn't he never takes like the time out of whatever we're doing to take a picture and we don't pose for any pictures. And at the camp at the camping, we don't we don't I don't get to see any of his pictures. Really? Yeah. Well, that's no fun. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, cuz that is an, another good point. Whenever you finish a day, then Prompto shows you all of the pictures that he took for the day and you get to review them and for some of the pictures the guys will have comments to make about mm. them. And then eventually I even got the opportunity to to tell Prompto what are the things that I think he should be taking more pictures of? Oh. Like take more pictures of me or of Gladio <laughs> or whatever. Nice. Once all these quests are done, we go back to the garage and the car is ready, which is good. But Cindy asks if we can deliver a package for her to a motel on our way to where we're going. And hilariously, she already assumed that we would say yes, because she's already loaded the package. (laughs) Jeez, how presumptuous. Like you're going to say no to Cindy. (laughs) So in the pocket edition, you almost just get teleported to the next location. There is a little bit of driving. But it's on rails, and you can you can swipe the screen to move your viewing angle, mm-hmm. and you can kind of there are two directional buttons, and you can make the car swerve on the road, <laughs> like you can swerve into the other lane where you shouldn't be. But besides that, there's nothing that you can do. You're just kind of hanging out, and there's some conversation, and then it just takes you to the new location. What about music? There's no there's no like radio option. Okay. I know that in the console version when I played, I was so excited to find all the radio stations and find all the old music uh, from different Final Fantasy games. And I, I put Final Fantasy VII on the radio, and that was awesome. Well, and you don't start with all of them. They become uh, collectibles, basically, within the game. Oh, really? At various gas stations and other outpost hmm. things, you'll, you'll find stores selling other... Co- it's basically like CDs of yeah, Final Fantasy yeah. music. That's awesome. And then... Whenever you're driving, you can just switch between all of the different tracks. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Now, in the console version, at this point in the game, I, I'm not able to drive either. It is basically on rails. It is, is it Ignis that's driving? I think it's Ignis that does most of the driving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, you're basically just sitting in the backseat and looking around and, and in my edition, controlling the radio. Mm, okay. That doesn't change until chapter three, the, the open world. Really? Yeah. Okay, so we get to this we get to this motel and deliver the package. There was something interesting. As soon as I got there, there's a little like quest marker or something on a table. And when I go over to it and look at it, it turns out it's actually an advertisement for this app in the app store called King's Night. And it looks like it's just another game made by Square. What? Yeah. <laughs> and actually there's some conversation unless it's not a real thing. I didn't actually tap it, but the characters even make reference to it. Like when I go up to it, they're like, oh yeah, if, if, if this were a game, I would totally be the rare characters, you know, stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like was this inside the restaurant? No, it was out. It was outside because inside some of the restaurants in the console version, there are arcade cabinets and they have games that you can play. Oh, that's cool. I started to play one that was terrible and I just, it was it was just not a good game. Maybe I'm just not into because they're all like old arcade games, old arcade yeah. kind of games, and I'm just not into that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I assume there's different ones, and and maybe maybe this one was even in my version, and I just didn't play it. 
It looked like it was just a direct link to the App Store. That you could just <laughs> download, download the game straight to your phone. <laughs> After you deliver the package, we see this cool dog show up. And apparently the dog's name is Umbra. And he has a note from Luna, which leads us right into a flashback of when Noctis and Luna are kids. I don't know how old they are, but apparently it's 12 years earlier. And it looks like that they're in maybe Luna's room and they're sitting on the bed and they're looking at this notebook together. And Luna says, I have a favor to ask you. Take the notebook with you when you go. I want you to put something in the book and send it back. So then we get back to our present time and we see Noct writing something in the book, closing it up, and then giving it back to the dog. Right. And that, that I get basically the same sort of cutscene in the console version too. So the dog is basically your, your messenger service. Yeah, sounds like it. He's the, he's the postman, post dog. I'm wondering how the dog goes from continent to continent, <laughs> but maybe just maybe dogs ride free on the ferry. He's got, he's got his own doggy car. That he can drive around. <laughs> and then, yeah, he, he drives up onto the ferry, and the ferry takes him with his doggy car to the next continent. That works. I think that fits in a fantasy setting. It's, yeah, absolutely. I had a couple of side quest opportunities here. The real small, it's still stuck in the same area around the motel, but Dave the Hunter is there, the guy that we just rescued earlier, and he just wants, he just wants me to find some dog tags laying around just mm-hmm. in the hotel area. And also, it's the first of this, like, I think they're called scraps of mystery where you're given a map which has drawings of objects that are in the area and with like an X or something to mark the spot where you want, where you need to dig. And so, and these objects may be far away, but it, it's just to give you some sort of idea of in relation to these objects, it could be like a car, it could be a lamppost that you need to dig somewhere between these two things. And there's a shovel and you go dig it up and it gives you a scrap of something and then you keep doing that the map gives you new pictures and you do that i don't know three or four or five times until you get some item at the end of it and i've done that at, there have been a couple of side quests like that so i assume mm-hmm. that just, that just continues throughout the game is that something just for this pocket edition or do you get something like that you know i i didn't write down the side quest that i got at, at this time i mean i definitely got side quests but they weren't they weren't that hmm. uh i i still have a side quest from dave about finding the hunt other hunters. Okay. But that I haven't completed yet. But I definitely didn't have this one. I, I think this is, you know, I think I think we're going to find very few similarities when it comes to side quest. Yeah, I'm, I'm in, guessing In so. the versions that we're playing. And, but the thing that I found really interesting was that the side quest and the way that they do them on the pocket edition, at least in that first episode, were actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a lot of times you get into these giant RPGs and you're like, uh, just more boring fetch quest. And frankly, that's how some of them are mm-hmm. in, in Final Fantasy 15 on the console. And go and collect these frogs. Yay. But these ones were a little bit more interesting, like reading the maps and finding the locations and stuff. That's at least a little bit more interesting than just walk around in this, this area until you find the sparkly stones. <laughs> All right, well, maybe we'll just hold off on side quests till maybe at the end of the recap and see if there's any interesting side quests. Mm -hmm. So then the guys continue on to Galden Quay, where they intend to hop on a ferry. I'm not sure if Galden Quay is the actual, like, port area that they're at, or if it refers to the, like, this island or vacation island or something they talk about. In any case, when they get up to, when they get up there, there's this suspicious stranger that comes walking out. And he's suspicious because he's like got crazy elaborate clothing on 
and he's got long hair <laughs> and he talks in a deep voice and he doesn't seem happy to see you. And he talks a little bit and he throws a coin at Noctis, but somebody catches a coin just before it hits him. So nobody's hurt and everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> he says something about not liking the ceasefire. Anyway, I get the impression this is a bad guy, but I don't know anything else about him. I don't know anything else about him either. Do you think he's going to be a bad guy? Probably. I think he's going to be a bad guy. Probably. So it turns out that the ferry isn't running right now because of an empire embargo or something. But there's a dude there. His name's Dino, and he's a reporter. And he's been noticing that Noct has been off on this little adventure, not going to the wedding. He's been going out hunting, hanging out with hunters, and, you know, whatever, all this craziness. And, you know, that wouldn't be very good if that information got out into the papers. <laughs> that The reason that this guy's late to his wedding is, you know, he just doesn't care about this. Mm -hmm. This is all his idea, right? This this ceasefire thing right. with his wedding. Uh, he says, but you know what? He'll keep it a secret. He'll keep it out of the papers if the guys go find some gemstone for him. Right. So be even more late to the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> well, he says he'll help them out because somehow he's going to be able to get them a ticket or get them a ride or something. Right. On the ferry that rather, isn't running. Right yeah. Now. Rather than wait for the ferry or I don't know. You might as well go do something productive. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there and fish or, you know, hang out with cats. Or well, something. it's interesting that you say fish because you don't get to fish in your version. Do I you? don't. Fishing is no kind of a big deal in, in the console version. This was my my first opportunity, you know, right right around this time uh, was my first opportunity to go fishing. I was to go get fresh fish for the little cat that's wandering around at, at this dock. Meow. And the fishing is kind of fun. Is it? It is. It, it's not terribly difficult or tedious. You you end up with a little map that shows some spots in the lake where there are some fish. There are some different colored dots on that map to, to indicate different types of fish there. You've got all sorts of different lures that you can buy that are more effective on different types of fish. And then once you hook a fish, you have to you know, the fish will be pulling to the left. And so you have to move to the left. Otherwise the tension meter builds up on the, you know, it's kind of like real fishing, you know, you don't want to snap the line. So you have to, to give and take with the fish, just like you would if you had caught a big one in real life and eventually your, your line wears out. And so, so it's another resource that you have to manage. You've got fishing lures to collect and fishing line. There's multiple types of line that are stronger than others and things like that. And you end up doing this more throughout the game, but this is this is the first experience to it, and it's I liked it. Well, it sounds like it's not just a simple it's bare bones just, mini game, right? But like, are you always just catching fish? Like, is it always just? I mean, is there anything else to it? So far, it's just been catching fish. Is that I, like the reason that you would continue to go fishing beyond just this moment? Is it because the fish becomes part of your inventory and that you can eat it or and get health, or or is it that? other people want certain kinds of fish and you're giving it to them or well i'm i'm not entirely sure yet what all they're going to do with it in this case the the fish that i caught did become part of my inventory so that i could give it to the cat to eat mm, okay i would imagine that some of the types of fish could be used as ingredients in cooking but i guess i haven't paid enough attention to know but in terms of fishing in the first two chapters this is the only opportunity to fish mm, okay this gemstone that Dino wants is up on this cliff somewhere. You got to go drive to this area and, you know, everywhere we go, there's some fighting, right? Mm -hmm. So 
that goes without saying. But you do come up to the top of the cliff, which just happens to be where this gigantic bird creature is hanging out. I don't think it's his nest. Is it a nest? I think he was just sleeping. Yeah, I think he's just sleeping. So conveniently, inconveniently, <laughs> the gem is on the other side of this guy. And so but at you, least he's sleeping. But he is sleeping. And so we got this really tense moment of sneaking very quietly <laughs> around this bird so he doesn't wake up. This enormous bird that we saw fly overhead. It's the same bird, yeah. I don't remember the console version, but in the pocket edition, it's like you just you move forward a little bit. He moves, he moves like he's waking up, and you just stop moving. Yeah, that's basically the okay. Same thing. But yeah, that's that's pretty scary, especially because at the end, uh, he does wake up and mm-hmm. fly off. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a boss fight. This is it. This is the first <laughs> big boss fight I'm doing. I'm ready to kill this bird, and he just flew off. Well, thankfully, because he yeah. probably would have wrecked. Yes, him. totally. <laughs> we go back to Dino with the gemstone. He seems satisfied, at least enough to say he'll get us the ride. But it's not there. Dino also says that that coin that we, that the mysterious stranger threw at us commemorates the Oracle's ascension and that he's been throwing these things out to everybody that he sees. So he must have come from the place that we're going to. Right. That makes sense. So the guys stay at the hotel while they wait and, you know, eat dinner, level up, do some ascension points. And then in the morning, Ignis comes in the door. Oh, hold on. What? That isn't the start of the cutscene. It's not Ignis walking in the door. He comes in with the paper. Is there something else? There is something what else. What did you have? Well, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> but the news that Ignis is about to share with us, we actually see go down on the console version. We see like a minute and a half long video of what happened in in the city of Insomnia overnight okay so what happens so tell me because i didn't get this insomnia falls that's what uh, like it falls over that's what the headline is like it's on a insomnia has fallen on a stick and it falls falls. down no there was a battle the niflheim people were in insomnia for the signing of a peace treaty and and talks of all of that to coincide with the wedding Mm, okay yeah but there was a sneak attack. There's an explosion in the castle. The giant invisible barrier, magic barrier thing <laughs> that has been protecting the city is disabled, deactivated, destroyed in some way. And the Niflheim soldiers send in all of their airships. And there's also some giant monster. I'm not really sure what's up with the monster, but there's a giant monster and you see buildings collapsing and lots and lots of shooting and fighting inside the castle. You see King Regis, or as Sid affectionately refers to him later, Reggie. uh, (laughs) You see King Regis fighting this giant, totally sweet looking knight dude who eventually wins the fight, killing King Regis, Noctis's dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so spoilers for you know the five seconds later in the cutscene. <laughs> so suffice to say, the console version has more content <laughs> than the pocket edition. Shocking, I know. Okay, yeah. So Ignis comes in with the newspaper, and all the headlines say Insomnia falls. The Imperial Army has taken the Crown City. He reads. As treaty room tempers flared, blasts lit the night sky. When the smoke about the citadel had cleared, the king was found dead. See, that's all you had to do. You don't have to do some crazy cutscene. 
You just read a line from the newspaper and we know exactly what happened and we can just move on. Right. <laughs> As you can imagine, th- this is a big deal. Uh, and yeah. they don't react very well, especially Noct, who just simply doesn't believe it. He, this must be some sort of conspiracy or everybody's lying. There's no way this could possibly be true. And so rather than continuing on what we were doing, we turn around and head back to home. Right, to insomnia. Insomnia. So they're heading back, but there's an inspection point that's been set up outside the city. So they decide it's time to take a detour to get a better vantage point of the city to see if it really has been attacked. There's a lot of fighting here. And are these robots? Because at some point they're like Magitech something or other. And they're, they don't have feeling or, but then we're also fighting soldiers. Like, do you have any insight on this Magitech stuff or these, these things that we're fighting? I thought that it, at some point in just like casual conversation about them, one of the guys in the party says that most, that these soldiers aren't people. They are robots that have magic abilities. And that's what, that's what the Magitech thing is. And the empire, the, the the people of Niflheim, they're the only ones with Magitech. And that's basically, and this is a little bit more that I've that I've done of the back reading on, okay. on the wiki. That's essentially why they've been able to conquer so much of the world, because they've got Magitech and nobody else does. Hmm. And it you're led to believe that the only reason that Insomnia hasn't fallen up prior to this point is because they've got that magic shield barrier thing over the city. Well, that makes sense then. So they've been trying to conquer the whole, the, this final continent. Mm-hmm. And at, finally, after this, they've, they're taking advantage of this whole ceasefire opportunity to loot, to get the shields lowered somehow because right. they're inside the, the city mm-hmm. and uh, take over. That makes sense. Right. Once we reach the top of this hill, we're overlooking the city and we can see, we can verify now, yes, this, this is true. Mm-hmm. There's no lie here. There's tons of destruction. We hear a newscaster. I don't know where it's coming from. Cell phone, radio, <laughs> car. I'm not I don't sure. know. But the newscaster says, as to ceasefire discussions between the two nations, all provisional terms have been suspended in light of recent developments. Moreover, in the wake of the news of King Regis's death, we've now received word that Crown Prince Noctis and the Oracle Lunafreya have also been pronounced dead. Which, uh, that's not true. I'm standing right there. I'm not looking too dead right now. <laughs> I'm right there. But so, we don't know about Luna Freya. No, we don't. And we also don't even know about the king at this point then. Because right. if they're saying that I'm dead and I'm not clearly not dead, I don't think, then maybe the king's not dead either. And in the video that I that I received in my version, it's not definitive that the king is dead either. So there's a possibility that, yeah. that he is still alive. That's true. Yes. And that's the end of chapter one. Now, the Pocket Edition really emphasizes the episodic nature of the game because it has a to-be-continued screen, clearly marking that this is the end of the chapter. That's also the end of the only free chapter, is that correct? Yes, so that, that does begin the microtransactions for each chapter. Mm-hmm. All right, so what, what do you think of the game so far? Is it fun? It is fun. I, I like the, the combat. It's not... It's not too challenging. Uh, I don't think it's too babyish either. I mean, it, you could certainly look at it in the early stages here and think, oh, all I do is hold a button. But there is more to it than that. And I imagine that's going to be expanded even more. I mean, 
Final Fantasy games are known for having essentially like 10 hour long introductions to games <laughs> where you're constantly learning new mechanics. So uh, I'm sure that'll be true here. Yeah, I, I think there's still a lot to learn here. And uh, but, but what we have played, I have really enjoyed. So what do you think of the game so far, especially playing on a very different version? Well, this the screen's small, but it's not much different than playing on a handheld, you know, mm-hmm. device. But I really wasn't sure how I'd feel about the real-time combat. When I played the, there was a demo, right, that came out before the game came out on Xbox, the mm-hmm. Platinum demo. Yeah. And I didn't really like the combat there until it got to the boss at the end. So I wasn't sure, but it works really well on mobile. It felt like I expected turn-based, you know, combat to be on mobile, but it's not. Right. And uh, it's got enough variety there. I can see where it could start to get monotonous, but hopefully they'll start adding more gameplay mechanics there as well. So what about story? This is story players after all. Are are you interested? <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I feel like we've watched, like, it's like we've watched the first 10 minutes of a movie. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's introduced some characters and it's just now getting to the, like the main conflict of the story. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I really have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. It, it seems like it's going to be an interesting story, but at this point, there's not not a ton to grip onto yet other than we know that our kingdom has been attacked and we're going to have to do something about it. It would be nice if, while this chapter was ending, though, to at least maybe have a little bit of a plan as to how the heck we're going to solve the situation, but... I guess that is the direction we're being led to. Yeah, I don't know. It just that's doesn't the, quite happen. That's yet. the cliffhanger. Yeah. I was afraid that uh, there's going to be just a bunch of word, like names of places and people that was really going to make this hard to follow. But so far, it's not too bad. Uh, I know the, the places in particular can be pretty hard, but I don't feel like I'm overwhelmed with characters yet. Not yet. We'll see if that trend continues, though. I mean, th- there's already four main characters. Do you have all of their names straight? Sure, do you have like a favorite yet? Because I feel like we haven't gotten a whole lot from them, maybe in terms of their personality. Mm-hmm. We got a little bit. But do you have like a favorite that stands out or do they all just kind of blend together at this point? I, I definitely don't think they blend together. I guess if I had to pick a favorite at, at this point in the game, maybe Gladio. Why Gladio? Because he's pretty chill. Yeah, man. He's my, <laughs> he's my favorite. I love him. Right. He's He's chill and he just seems real pragmatic and... Like, yeah, he's just calm. He's not, like, freaking out about things. Right, yeah, whereas Prompto is... He's high energy. Constantly freaking out about Which things. is good. I like I like having him there. Yeah. As, as comedic relief, but I guess Ignis is the one I'm just not sure about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see Ignis becoming my favorite at some point, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure yet. Yeah. What about Noct himself? Like, where does he stand in the, in the, in the group of four in your mind? How do you rank him? You know, the, it, it's... It's tricky because I think a lot of times with with the main character, you tend to skew to the extremes, right? In, in a lot of these types of games, either you really like the character or you really mm. can't stand him. I don't think I find myself at either extreme yet. Uh, I, I find him a sympathetic character, yeah. but we're going to have to see a little bit more emotion come out of him. He's obviously in like the worst possible situation he could ever be in the, the, the death of his dad, potentially the death of his fiance. I, I want to see some more feelings there, but so far I'm, I'm liking him. 
He's not, uh, it's not like a silent protagonist where you're supposed to be kind of projecting your own self onto him. Mm -hmm. So I do like that, that he is his own character. I prefer that in in stories, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't like something like Skyrim where it feels like you're just building up this generic dude and it's whatever you want it to be kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Okay. Well, next time for the next episode, we're going to discuss chapters two and three. Now, here's where things get a little confusing for me because of the naming of the chapters. So far, it appears that the actual story, the content of the chapters match between the two versions of the game. So whatever happens in chapter one on the console version is also what happens on chapter one of the pocket edition and so on for two and three. But the console version has 15 chapters, whereas the pocket edition only has 10. So at some point, there's going to have to be something's going to have to change. And what's even stranger is that even though the content of uh, one and two are the same between both versions, chapter two has a different name. On the console, it is called No Turning Back. And on the pocket version, it's The Open World. So that's strange. And also, chapter three of the console version is called The Open World, but it doesn't have the same story content as the pocket edition. So hopefully we'll figure that out as the series goes on. In any case, this concludes our discussion of Chapter 1 of Final Fantasy XV. Thanks for listening. We want to know about your experience with Final Fantasy XV also, and you can send us your thoughts and feedback in a whole bunch of different ways. You can leave comments over at the website, which is www.thedigitalmediazone.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash vgstoryplayers, and our Twitter account is also at vgstoryplayers. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. There's going to be a few more episodes in this series. And then, of course, other episodes of other games that we're playing, too. We'd really appreciate it if you could head over to Apple Podcast or any place that you have found the show and subscribe to it and leave us a rating and a review. It helps other people find the show and helps to build the community. This has been another episode of Story Players. Thanks for listening. I'm Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeStazio. Adios. See ya. I take that completely back. Hold on. Undo that. Be kind, please rewind.